Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Monday, November 22nd, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, and it's a big one, folks. Advocacy Innovation in our Survivor Spotlight, kicking it off. Lenka Dayrit, young adult survivor, AML, and model from Project Runway, fall 2010 season, season eight. Samantha Green, young adult cancer activist and the founder of Crawl for Cancer, very excited. And Dean Brown, young adult survivor of ovarian cancer and the host of MTV's Real World Rolled Rule. Rolled Raw. Lisa's not here tonight. Please leave a message at the beep. She was on the Real World Road Rules Challenge. And she's the founder of Medgift.com, Dean Brown, that's her name. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at I2Y.com. We help young adults fight cancer every single day, and we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of you who can't say two words beginning with the letter R like I can. And our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. All right, it's time to welcome our chief cancer anarchist and vice president of grassroots, Mr. Dr. Reverend Jack Buford. Hello. I just gave you a serious university upgrade. You did. You made him a man of the cloth. I know. I'm doing. I'm doing really, well, really. Toilet really paper's well. a cloth, right? <laughs> I'm doing really, really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Road rules. Lisa, I've told I you time and coming. again. Don't 
drink before the speaking show. Of, I can't help it. I have to work with the two of you. Yes. Speaking of MTV and double R's, do you remember Ricky Rackman, who used to host yes. Headbangers Ball oh, in, the, yes. in the late 80s? I just know Adam <laughs> Curry. Adam Curry, well, anyone? Cricket Curry? Yeah, Adam a Curry, lot of Nina there. Blackwood. Nina Blackwood. Downtown and Julie Brown. Downtown Julie. She was British. Kurt Loder with the news. How do you, yeah. Kurt Loder's about 107 now. Is he? He's still popped up <laughs> here and there. Yeah. Not you realize anyone but... under the age of 26 has no idea what the hell we're talking about. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're and like, Carson Daly. No, 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 no. This is long before Carson Daly. Do you remember when MTV actually played yes. videos? Mark Goodman. There was Kennedy, right? Yeah, Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah, I remember she, was like, she came a little later. Yeah. Yeah, she was like the alternative chick. She was. I think she's still around. They have to be alive. I mean, they're all and around. And Elvira after dark was on MTV, too. No, can't deal with that. <laughs> Stop it. All right. You're all reminding all right. me of being in seventh grade watching Metallica's one video with the war-torn Vietnam veteran people scaring me to death. You know what You know video scared me to death was Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare. I'm sorry. You you were watching, what was it, ACDC? No, Metallica's Metallica. video for one. Oh. Yeah, you're the like, guy that likes Neil Diamond. I like Neil and Diamond Joel. and Billy Joel. Well, Billy Joel's fine, but... Billy Joel's been on the Biography Channel on a brand new video for him. He's my hero. Well, he's, he's We have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of listeners on the show. But anyway, MTV is coming up I'm later in the show. I'm putting out a plea here. I want yeah. to meet Billy Joel. If you know Billy Joel or anyone who knows Billy Joel, I need to meet Billy Joel. Done. You know, you know he lives like a mile away from here, he right? He does live a mile away from here. I'll work on that for you. I didn't realize he got divorced. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that. He has a girlfriend now. Another young girlfriend? Younger than his daughter. No, not as young no, as Alexa. Yeah. But anyway, God bless that. Twenty-five now. You believe that? She's actually a good singer. She is. She's a very good singer. Alexa, yeah, she's not bad. She got his talent, which is good. And his and her mother's <laughs> looks, which is even better. <laughs> no, got, she, she didn't. got his looks. No, she got his looks and yeah. his talent. So that works. That's fine. It balances out like a carbon neutral, I suppose. Has anybody tuned into the show for this reason to listen to what we're talking about now? No one listens to this part of the show anyway. <laughs> Prima well, Bob says that she because... barely remembers downtown Julie Brown. Okay, fantastic. So I think we did uh, make ourselves a little older than we really are. <laughs> it's the top of the show. Let's talk about getting felt up. Yeah, I mean, right, I'll I... be right over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Anyway, yeah. The There's issue... a fence between Jack and me in the studio. And it's electrified. Is that why, yeah. I'm, is that why I'm wearing these uh, chains on my ankles? Barbed wire. No, Jack's got the, the ankle boot. That's I feel like one of Michael Vick's dogs. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That is so. That is so not okay. You can't do that, bro. Sorry. So anyway, Lisa, you wanted to get felt up. We're talking about the Transportation Security Administration, or whatever the hell they're called, the Transportation Safety Administration, which is now the the pedophile, cancer raping, uh, destruction something. Well, it's legal molestation. That's what it is. Jack. It's the TSA, otherwise now known as the TNA. Sweet. The TNA. Are they hiring? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I've heard this new term. It's called gate rape. Yes. This uh, is horrible. This I'm, is, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, yeah. there's all these crazy stories coming out of the news this week about, especially in the wake of, you know, the Wednesday being the most travel day in the country because the holidays and Thanksgiving coming up, that all these incredible in individual stories are hitting the news blocks. There was one young, she wasn't that young, a, a woman in her 50s with a mastectomy prosthetic who was basically manhandled with no sympathy. And she's a flight attendant. And she is a flight attendant, yes. So one of the gate agents, the TSA uh, security people, literally manhandled her breast, her, her prosthetic breast, and like humiliated her in public. 
Then there's another guy who is a bladder cancer survivor that has um, not an ost- not an ostomy, but whatever the colostomy bl- bag. No, no, whatever. The, it was something like that. He, a bladder. I forget the term. Um, anyone yeah, in the chat room knows what the yeah. term is, but um, <clears throat> and he requested a private screening, which they honored. But he it was explaining to the guy that was patting him down, if you touch me over here, there's going to be piss all over the floor. And the guy just didn't listen. He wasn't sensitive. And sure enough, he patted, he tore off the bandage, and the guy pissed all over the floor. Yeah, his his bag basically, like the tube for his bag basically opened, and it went all over his shirt, down his underwear, whatever. So the guy is- the guy had to fly in urine-soaked clothes on his way to a wedding. Right, a uh, urostomy bag. Thank you, Joanna, for being in the chat room. This is a no-win situation for cancer survivors. No. Either you get radiation, or you get your... Uh, you have a choice now. Synthetic breast felt right, up. Although have, I have to say, as a breast cancer survivor, I guess I could save money by going for my yearly exams. Well, I was saying the best the best comments we got on Facebook today were that why can't they just make it a PET scan that you go through? Yeah. And then that way you just that you check. You just, you said what you said that your yearly annual checkup is just go to right. go to JFK. <laughs> right. I'm going to Dr. JFK for my annual I, checkup. I actually booked a flight today, and oh. I was so excited knowing that I was actually going to see some action when I fly in February. But that's the thing. like, There's all this inconclusive evidence to support whether this um, body scanning 360 thing actually works and all the circumspection around the fact that it takes – if you want to be a radi- radiation technician, there's like an, a year and a half of certification, and now they have these potentially uneducated high school graduates – working for the TSA that are learning how to use a radiation technical machine with with a week of training. And that does it give you X-rays and gamma rays and Spider-Man waves and Hulk waves and whatever? So it's either that or get molested and felt up by TSA. Yep. Well, what about the little boy? Yes, there was a little boy story. It was incredible. uh, 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 Not cancer-related, but just a testament to the pedophilia nature of this. Um, a father was had his like young boy who went there, and the, the young boy got called for a pat down. So he started like hysterically uncomfortable because strangers are touching him. So the father basically just ripped the kid's clothes off and said, "Look, there's nothing there." Well, he ripped his shirt off. Right, right, right. But then the guy still proceeded to sort of gate rape this eight year old boy or six year old boy with a, without a shirt on. Yeah. Then was- there's stories of people who literally like like disrobe on purpose as a statement and say, look, there's nothing on me. And the guys actually make them put their clothing back on to do the pat down. Yeah, because they said that removing their clothing hinders a proper pat down. But what's the difference between like throwing, like everybody has to put their jacket through the x-ray machine. So if you take your pants off and you take your shirt off and it goes through the x-ray machine, they want you to then put them back on so they can pat you down. Well, look, this is obviously the policymakers. I mean, the people who are at the gates, They've just been given their orders as to what they should do, no, but, and they have to follow them but there, through. There's also there's a, a about, lot of, This is not military orders. This is like you have to learn to do your job well. well not that's, that's not true. kill them. That's an order, young man. You know, this is this is your job. You have to be sensitive to people. You have to. This is not like your their customers, right? They're not your clients. They're human beings. And how would you feel if you were treated this way? Absolutely, I'm sure that. They're completely overwhelmed, and the airports are jammed, and they've got to get these people through onto their fl- flight, onto their flights, and pe- everybody's screaming. And it's a tough. I'm not defending them by saying that they should be molesting people in the process, but this is a this is a tricky one. Yeah, there's actually a movement that was I saw on the news today where people are rallying all the other travelers to skip 
the uh, the full body scan, so they will be patted down, which will just make the whole process that much longer. So there's like this whole movement of people like me, because I'd be all over that, where it's just like, you know what? You just want to be felt down by anybody. It doesn't matter. That's true. Whether they're wearing gloves, I know them or not, I have to call them the next morning. I don't care. Right. But but so basically, there's just this whole movement where everybody's like, everybody skip the machine, everybody go for the pat down, and we'll just make this process that much more effed up than it is. But now there's a movement. I saw this. This is a brilliant thing by um, Goala and Foursquare and Looped, which are three... Um, geolocation-based social media platforms where if you check into an airport and hashtag uh, – it was a hashtag like uh, like uh, raped by TSA or something like that, you have a chance to win an iPad. No, it's an iTouch. And I, that's the whole point of the of the. Gimmick. Oh, an iTouch, yeah. Right. An iPod They're giving touch. away an iTouch for anybody who uses this hashtag checking in at airports. Right, right. So you could literally on an iPod touch – Oh, no, the hashtag is touched by TSA. Right. So if you'd log in through, if you check in through Foursquare, Gowala, or Looped, and you hashtag touched by TSA, you're, you're eligible to win an iPad, iPod Touch. So everybody's jumping, jumping in and using this as a marketing tool now. Oh, it's crazy yeah, awesome. It's crazy. <laughs> they also, the thing, one thing I do want to make clear is like 99% of all travelers are not randomly selected right. for this. This choice that people have only to the make. hot pretty girls are being selected. Right. For this. <laughs> the idea that this is going to affect every traveler is 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 not correct. That they, they the random screenings obviously are going to be the random screenings, but only one percent of the traveling public, which is still a lot of people by the way, are going to have to make this decision of opting out or getting molested. So it's like. And it's not even the radiation. The radiation from the, again, inconclusive, but, again, no radiation is better than some. I think we can all agree about that. Isn't the radiation e- equivalent to, like, two minutes of flying time or something no, like it's, that? No, it's equivalent to, like, like, like a 30-minute X-ray or something like 30, 30, oh, so It's that high? It, it's, it's higher than an X-ray because it's your whole body. It's not just like they're focused on, like, your, your lumbar area or something. Is that an area, lumbar? Yeah, it's your close lower. It's your okay, right, I was close. But but it's also that they promise that these nude pictures, and I say nude with with a, a, a bit of discretion, they're not entirely nude. But these things see through your clothing, and if you've seen any of the pictures that have been stolen and posted on the internet, they can clearly make out your junk, and it's not okay in my mind, especially if you're insecure like me. They can never make out Jack's junk. No, it's obfuscated underneath his chastity belt. <laughs> I need my own lane. Oh God damn it! It's like sorry, baby. God put that there. <laughs> But, I'm not sneaking anything out but of the, the TSA keeps saying that these images flick on the screen once and they get deleted right away. Meanwhile, Gizmodo posted thirty thousand pictures that they stole off the internet. Of uh, they're keeping these photos, folks. They're lying to you and they're keeping these photos. So that's just absolutely ridiculous. And I guess I'm willing to sacrifice certain privacy issues and rights. I don't mind getting wanded. You know, I don't mind getting picked out of line. It has happened to me. God knows I look like a terrorist, of course. But the notion of human rights in the face of of security, where do you really draw that line? And I think that's right. the issue here. And what happens with like uh, like uh, people who are dressed up in in garb for uh, like religious garb and you know headscarves and burkas and all that stuff? I don't know. I I I think that would be ask, very. Why don't you ask Juan Williams about that? Who? Juan Williams. 
who got booted off of uh, fired from NPR recently. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. Saying he was nervous about when he travels. Right. About seeing Muslims. That's exactly the point. All right. Well, anyway, let, let's let we'll, we will reconvene this conversation. But I want to bring. It's only going to get better this week. It know? is only going to get better because people are now like taking videos. Right. At the, they're like literally opening up their cameras and just videoing the entire process. Yeah. They're leaving their camera video, their video camera on their phone running as it goes through the screening thing. Yeah. So it just audio records all the conversations. It's fantastic. Well, yeah. just to be safe, when I fly next month, I'm going to bring a rose with me in case I, <laughs> in case I make a friend along the way. Very nice. Very nice. All your first dates are to the airport now. What? What? All right. On that note. All right. 10 to uh, 8.15. Our Survivor Spotlight tonight comes all the way from Queens. Actually, she comes all the way from the Czech Republic. Lenka Dayrit has been professionally modeling since childhood and can currently be seen as a model this season's Project Runway. Her work has graced the pages of Harper's, Cosmo, and she's been in numerous TV commercials as a young adult survivor of AML recently, Hype 3. She spent the last few years rebuilding her strength and getting back to business. I'm so excited to have this young woman here live in studio. Please welcome... To the Stupid Kids Show, Lenka Dayrit. Lenka. Lenka. Hello. Hi there. Welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. So you have a fascinating story. Well, if you can call it fascinating. Well, did you just come from the airport? (laughs) (laughs) First of all, we have to say that I think that Lenka is the most famous model to come from the Czech Republic next to Paulina Portskova. Oh, my God, I wish, but we yes. have quite a lot of them. Paulina was from the Czech Republic? I believe no, she was. No, she wasn't. No, she Paulina was from Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. Yeah, you're right. That's I, right. Have, I know she's my European she's history. Yamir right. Jager right. is from the Czech Republic. Who? Oh, yeah. Yamir Jager. That's our hero. Is that Jakob Smirnov's brother? No, Yamir Jager is a hockey player. Hockey. I don't, yeah. not a sports person. <laughs> not a sports person. Well, I, I again, I'm, I'm so intrigued by your story. You come from a country with socialized medicine. You came to this country. You a big shock. Ex- I know. You've expressed mm-hmm. to me a lot of very interesting points about your journey. Why don't we, we start from the beginning? You were born in the – like the wall. Berlin Wall was, was down already, or were you born um, when it was Soviet? I don't think so, but I was born in Czechoslovakia. And okay. We were still under the Russian occupancy. Okay, you were. Mm-hmm. So what was that like as a child? Wow. I would lie if I tell you that I remember much. Okay. But from – No, suppression is healthy. You think so? <laughs> oh, I know so, sweetheart. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like uh, what my parents told me it was more about the fact that they couldn't have expressed what they thought. Um, they had to be scared of their own neighbors because you never know when they would like say about you that you're against communism and you can end up in a jail for that. So thank God that I was actually born in a time when we were breaking out of that. And you left to come here when? I actually left Czech Republic right after my BC, so I would say 20 years old. But Your BC is as a study, as a bachelor. Sorry, I see. Got, got it. it. Try and to keep up, people. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually didn't go straight to the United States. I started to travel, and I was very interested in living in Asia. So I would live in the countries like Thailand, Singapore, uh, Japan, you know, Malaysia. And were you modeling at this time? I actually was. As Surprising as it sounds, there's a great modeling industry over there. So, and you know, it's it was fine. It's, I got an offer to go to Paris, so I can go to Thailand. And Paris to me was very boring and very superficial, and I just chose to go to Thailand. So, 
And you came here and you were diagnosed with AML after you arrived here, correct? I would say about a year when I was in the United States. I was just waiting for my working permit. Okay, wow. And so you were, tell us about, did you have some of the common symptoms? Um, yeah, probably most common things. It's one of the things what started was uh, having all the bruises all over my body, not knowing where they came from, then being very tired, exhausted, and that lasted two weeks until my mom-in-law just said, listen, this is not normal, please let me take you to the doctor. So when we arrived, of course, they took my blood test, they realized I have low platelets, low um, red blood cells, so the same day they did a bone marrow testing, and that was it. And that was it. And you were, and where were you in your career? You were modeling over here at that point? I was just actually uh, signing a contract because I was waiting for my working permit, and I didn't want to do the illegal thing, so I was doing the proper thing, and I, I got diagnosed two days after I got my working permit. That was good timing. Yeah. yeah the worst Congratulations time. on that. <laughs> Nothing like calling out sick on your third day. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Now, you were, as a young adult, obviously this show is done, couched through the lens of what it's like to be in your 20s and 30s with mm-hmm. getting diagnosed. Did you feel that you were treated fairly and appropriately? Were doctors listening to you? Did you get a sense that they understood that you were not 80? Yes. You know what? Actually, in my case, I think yes. Um, maybe the first doctor I experienced was a little bit colder and a little bit not caring, but then they transferred me right away to um, another doctor, and he was very, very open, very friendly from the beginning. He always, They always actually made sure that they came to me and said, hey, you never, any questions you have, anything you need, just don't be afraid to ask us. So I have to say I was the blessed one who actually went through a really good care. Good for you. Did they, Did they? I mean, obviously an issue we talk about is did they discuss with you, um, you know, your fertility options or were you sort of raced through it so quickly? Um, they told me right away. They said normally they actually would save the eggs, but unfortunately at the point when they found out about me being sick, it was way too late. I was so low on the platelets and uh, everything that they said that they just cannot wait. They had to start the chemotherapy right away, so I was... Unlucky. So have you had any, um, I mean, it's been a few years. How many years has it been? I am two years in the remission. Okay. Well, that's good. Have you had any follow-up consultations with doctors about long-term effects or the possibility of fertility options? Well, of course, they told me there's a high possibility of me never having a kid, but I didn't check it yet. To tell you the truth, I don't want to stress myself yet because I'm not planning to have kids now, so... When the time comes, then I'm going to check if I can still have them. Trust me, I waited till 35, so (laughs) don't worry about it. I just don't want to get depressed already about it. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, then we can always adopt. That's not a big deal. Right. Your husband is American? He is American, but his family is Filipino. Oh, neat. Her husband's a model as well. (laughs) He is. He's a good-looking guy. He is. I hope to be but, half of a modeling couple someday. Yes, but but he he's a great guy. It's you know I mean of course I was attracted to him because he was a good looking guy in the first point. But then I got to know him and when I fell in love, that was the moment when I found out who he really is. And he is an amazing personality. And I was so blessed to have him. And I was going through this process. I don't know if I would survive this not having him. But that's important. That speaks to the idea of you know. 
he's a part of this conversation as well. He's a yeah. caregiver. He's a young adult. Is he in his 20s? 30s. It's, it's, it's all the same. <laughs> Still a young but, adult. But, you yeah. know, you shouldn't, A, you shouldn't have to go through this so young. Not that you should have to go through this ever, but through the lens of the fact that someone like you can and does get cancer, to have a caregiver there at our age that is not prepared to be a caregiver or has never didn't see this coming i'm it it makes me really happy that that he was able to sort of stand by you yes and be a real champion for you yes well you know i mean i i don't think you can ever prepare yourself for the fact that your significant other is going to go through that especially when we're all that young we all think that we're unbreakable we're all strong nothing is going to happen to us and then boom you know right but um, I think also the fact that he comes from the family he does, they are all standing on a very strong um, family, um, how do you call it in English? Um, they're very family-oriented. They are friends with all their, like, cousins over, like, ten knees, you know. They are very, like, strong, So and they've always been very supportive of each other. He's the oldest of six children, so he was raised to take care of the other children. So he's kind of used to always take care of someone. That's what he learned from his parents and his grandparents and so on. So, so he's he's used to being a caregiver yes. from that childhood experience. Talk to us about how you manage this with your career, which is such a cutthroat, such a competitive environment, obviously based on looks largely, how did you manage going through something like this? Did you take time off? Were there people who understood? Did you have insurance through your modeling agency? How did you manage that all? Yeah, unfortunately, we models don't get our insurance. Because so. <laughs> we're basically working on a contract basis. It's not like a proper employment. It's so. like being a freelancer? Yes. Okay. So you don't get that, so you got to have to pay it yourself. That's how it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> what I modeled? <laughs> no. Jack model for the for the Hyundai Modeling Foundation. Or I was gonna say porn movies don't count. No, it's, it's, it's Ford models. Jack model for Hyundai models. I was no 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 worse Kia Daewoo. Jack Le, was with Daewoo model. Lacar. I was a zoom zoom little boy. No, yeah. well let's go Eastern Europe. Let's go uh, Yugo. <laughs> Yugo models. You mean Mercedes? Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so for me it was. Um, in the insurance acts, so of course, if my employer doesn't give me insurance, if I want to try to insure myself right now, nobody's going to give me the insurance because I have the pre-existing condition, so we all know that. Um, our rights modeling, yeah, you know, it's stressful, and but that's what I told you before. Um, when my agent asked me, hey, are you sure you can deal with what it takes? I'm like, please, if I survive a cancer, I think I can deal with this industry too. It cannot be worse. So excellent point. Yes, that is. Yeah. So you got to interact with Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn, and that must have been pretty cool. Oh, I love them. And who are they again? <laughs> no, yeah, I was very blessed. Um, Tim Gunn is an amazing personality. I mean, what you see on a TV, it's really what you get. He's gentleman. He's kind. He's friendly. I just really enjoyed working with him. Heidi is surprisingly really funny. She always comes in the backstage. She always jokes around, makes us all laugh. So I would say when it comes to these two, it was a pleasant journey. Were you um, able to tell her that you were a cancer survivor? I actually told them right at the casting. Because that was kind of the time when I just went back to modeling. I took my time. Of course, I had to let my hair grow back, right? Yes. 
But, um, yeah, I went to the casting, and I'm like, listen, this is a reality show. I might as well throw in my story because reality shows are based on a <laughs> funny stories. They never use the story in the show, but I guess it did help me to get casted. See, play the cancer card. Yeah. <laughs> you never lose. I know, right? Now, part of my ignorance, but is this a show where people call in and vote or whatever? No. Oh, okay. Because I would have. <laughs> no, it is entirely up to Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn to decide actually, which of the designers. Actually, it's not even Heidi that much. Heidi is one of the judges. Tim Gunn is the mentor. He's not the judge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other two judges is uh, Michael Kors, um, the designer. The beer I guy. <laughs> what? Course, with a K, not a, not a C. With a K. With a K. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm going to go back to my coloring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, um, Michael Kors and Nina Garcia from Marie Claire magazine. Okay. And then they, of course, have like a guest judge every episode. They had a couple of actors. They had um, some other famous designers on. Very interesting cast this year, I have to say. Cool. And you, so you were mainly the model for Michael Costello, is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. My darling. <laughs> Who you loved. Yes. I think the, from the mom and I walked in the room and they told me, this is your designer, and we just say hi, we look at each other. It was a laugh on the first side. So. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get to interact with many of the guest stars? Um, Not that much, though. The guest judges are usually there only, like, you know, in a, in a chair, and then they hang out together. So you don't really get to interact with them. Sometimes a little bit. So where what's what's your dream? Where do you go from here? Hmm. She's going to model for us now. <laughs> I would love to. Hello. <laughs> well, um, my dream. See, I don't really have that many dreams. Right now, I just really dream about as stupid as going to sound. You know, I just want to stay healthy. That's not <laughs> stupid. That, that's, the best, that's the best dream you can have. God forbid you <laughs> want to stay healthy on the Stupid Sorry, Cancer Show. Uh, right. The word stupid, that's the ro- uh, wrong word. Um I mean, you know, everybody says that, you know, when they are like, okay, what do you dream about? I want to stay healthy. I want we to like the word family, stupid. You know? <laughs> Stupid's good here. I actually yeah. go by that word sometimes. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah, seriously, as long as I stay healthy, as my loved ones stay healthy, as long as I have enough money so I can, you know, have a, my own place, I can uh, afford my food and sometimes some nice shoes, I'm happy. <laughs> Got to have the nice shoes. Yeah. Right. We have uh, some competitive conversation in the chat room. Apparently, our VP of Outreach, Erin Eloise, who was not able to be here tonight, um, is uh, stumping for her, um, her, uh, her her job as model for I2Y. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start a, a cage match, uh, <laughs> and we'll see how that pans out. All right. All right. I want in. I'm in. Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. So all right, well this is this is really cool. I mean, and you are here in New York now with with your husband, mm-hmm. and you are involved in like Fashion Week, and you're doing other photo shoots and moonlighting here and there. Yeah, yeah, we did that uh, Fashion Week. That was crazy times, by the way. Um, you know, now I'm just running my castings, stuff like that. Shoot. But tell us also, Linka, because you were b- before the show started, you were mentioning that you do have some of the after effects of your chemotherapy treatment. They're kind of a drag to live with. Well, yeah, um, I'm just was talking about the fact that I'm thinking about relocating to L.A. for the winter because I don't know if you guys deal with that too, but I'm just going through really bad joint pains ever since my chemo. So I, I always say I can just be a weather forecast because when it's about to rain or get colder, I can feel it two days before my knees. Yeah. And your chemo was? How often did you do IV, and were you, did you have to be hospitalized for the chemo, or could you do it I, as an outpatient? I did. I did six rounds of chemos. Um, 
the first one, uh, I still had some of the leukemia cells in uh, some of the white blood cells um, um, bad in my, in my system, so they had to do the second round of chemo. After the second one, uh, they got rid of it. The third one was just to make sure. And then it comes the three rounds of the, um, how do they call it? Um, you know, the chemo just to make sure that it doesn't come back. The preventive, sorry. Got it. That's what it is. So, but each of my chemotherapy is actually a couple of days. Um, I think, if I remember right, it was like five, six days in a row doing the chemo straight away. And then usually I had to stay in because it damaged my immune system. So I always got sick. I always got a fever after. So usually got to stay in the hospital for like two, three weeks at a time. And you were here in New York for that, is that right? I actually did my treatment in Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. Okay, um, close enough. Yeah, Englewood Across the River. Well, I've got to tell you, yeah, your story is fascinating. You're obviously beautiful. You're warranted Thank to be you. a model. We're really happy to have you. We're sorry you had to go through, you know, stupid cancer to be here. But that said, welcome to the family. We'd love to ha- we we love to have you come anytime. Thank you so much. And you're in happy. studio. You're sticking around. So Lincoln will be chiming in as needed. Uh, and she's in the chat room. Show, and she's in the chat room. Mm-hmm. So and her shoes are fabulous. Her shoes are so much better than yours, Jack. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, but do they have their own fan page? They do not, but they soon will. <laughs> Trust me. All right, folks. Lanka Dayrit, sticking around. And now it's time for our first guest. All righty. I feel this is appropriate music. Samantha Green is the president of Crawl for Cancer an organization driven to host, implement, and manage fundraising events that support those affected by cancer and help fund life-saving research. 2011 will mark Crawl for Cancer's 10th anniversary, raising over $1 million for the fight against cancer while continuing to push communities to find a cure. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, my friend and yours, Samantha Green. Damn. Hello. Hello. Hi there. You are officially my favorite person. Well, awesome. I like being people's favorite people. Really, really super stoked to have you on the show tonight. Um, And uh, we we have so much good news to tell you um, about our social experiment this past weekend. Uh, We want you to be proud of us. (laughs) Uh, Your organization has really sort of propelled us to want to be a better organization. It's given us an opportunity to really harness the power of the youth movement uh, towards, you know, our our version of cure to find how young adults can fight cancer. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for the introduction. Um, I, I think that's one thing that all of us want is to just we want to try and move forward and get past this disease, and whether it be by by celebrating life, like you and I think you know, some of the best medicine um, to people that are out there and finding research every day that just helps us move one closer to a cure. So I want to just kickstart this conversation because people are, I mean, there's a probably going to be a very generational gap between understanding what's a crawl for cancer, why is it necessary, and how did you come to be? Because 10 years ago, our community, our culture, was very different, and I'm sure you came up against uh, probably some controversy, no? Um, We have over the years. uh, Different people have views on all sorts of topics, and although we can't please everybody, 
thing that we strive for is to just let people know uh, what what's out there, what can be done to help you know with with the fight for against cancer and um, what we can do to help fundraise and remember those that have passed away from cancer and to celebrate those that are still with us and um, that we continue to fight for. So it, definitely the crawl has changed over the past 10 years. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many uh, rocks we have stumbled upon through these 10 years, uh, but it's been, a, it's been a great experience, and uh, we know that we have another 10 more plus to go. So this is kind of just the beginning for us. So, Samantha, tell everybody out there exactly what you are, what you do, the specifics of the organization, and what exactly a crawl for cancer is. Okay. Well, Crawl for Cancer was originally established in 2001. Um, it was a project started by, by a group of guys wanting to raise money for a good cause, and it just exploded with popularity in Kansas City. Um, so starting in 2001, we had about 700 participants, and now we have over 10,000 participants at two crawls a year. So it, it really boomed in Kansas City. And since it was originally just a side project for this group of guys, they quickly realized that they needed some more help. And I was introduced to the group because of my past experience with organizing Relay for Life events um, in, around Kansas City and the, uh, fundraising. And combined with my passion to help fight cancer, it seemed like a natural fit for all of us. So I got involved in Crawl for Cancer in 2002. In 2006, we incorporated and became official and in 2007 started expanding to other cities because we thought we kind of had pub crawling down to a science at that point. So in 07 we expanded to four cities to get our feet wet and see if we could do it and this year we were in 15 major U.S. cities and hope to add more next year. And how does it work in terms of the teams and how the money is raised for folks out there again who don't know? Yeah, um, the way the crawl works is there's groups of 10 to 12 people, uh, generally friends, coworkers, family, get together and they sign up. We call them a team. It's a group. It's not any kind of game or there's no prize if you finish first. It's a social event to come out and celebrate the day. And the groups of uh, our teams go to five bars and they're given tickets for beer at each bar, and then we bring everybody back together for a huge celebration at the end with live music, and a lot of times we'll have prize giveaways, and each of our cities is a little different, but for the most part, um, the main theme that carries through all of them is just camaraderie uh, and celebration. And honestly, I mean, I have to, obviously this is, this is already public knowledge, but I too, why? Uh, our organization, the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, was one of the named charitable beneficiaries of the crawl you did in Columbus, Ohio this year. And we got a check for $18,000, which and actually that, that, that's good enough for this. <laughs> yes, we got a check for $18,000. And again, we were so inspired by that, we wanted to just, to be the sacrificial social experiment and see if we could pull off our own micro crawl here in Manhattan to join you guys at your crawl uh, this spring. 
And uh, I'm going to let Jack talk a little bit about his experience uh, helming that this weekend with uh, Kenny Kane. And we should also specify exactly how that money is raised, fellas. Or Sam, go ahead. <laughs> the, the money from the crawl is raised by the team entries that sign up. And then we we pay for the event um, to be able to put on the event, and then 100% of our proceeds go to our benefiting charities, whether it be one charity or you guys were actually one of three charities. So there were other charities that received some pretty checks just like you guys did. And that's awesome that you could spread the wealth that way and everyone benefits and it raises awareness for multiple causes. It gets people engaged. And for us, at least, an interesting just, and I'll, before I let Jack start, is it got us more young adult survivors. There were people in that crawl that didn't know we existed who happened to be survivors. And they're like, my God, this is amazing. And now we have a whole new crew in Columbus rallying for us around the year. That's wonderful. That, that's exactly what we want to happen. We want people to become knowledgeable and know about these charities because there are a lot of them out there that, you know, do wonderful things and could really affect somebody's life. They just don't, they don't know where to find, they don't know where to find the organizations. And we like to be able to be that stepping stone to introduce them to charities that can help them. And we are officially your poster child. You are our, officially our poster child. You are. Because um, not only were you guys our benefiting charity in Columbus, but in 2011, you guys are going to be our sole beneficiary for our, I guess it will be our third annual New York pub crawl. So, <laughs> That's awesome. So the crawl... Yeah, so the well, we think so too. So the crawl is currently scheduled for Saturday, April second. The crawl starts at one o'clock in the afternoon, and is over at eight o'clock. So if you um, are able, you still have your free Saturday night to be able to uh, to go out. But the the day is a really good time, and we offer a lot of things to be able to help people get around and home safely. I know in New York. Um, everybody cabs everywhere anyways, but one of the things we offer is what we call our safe ride program where for every 10 canned goods a person brings, you get $10 worth of taxi vouchers to help you get home safely. We part we always pair with a local hotel to offer discounted room rates. Uh, we have lots of volunteers around that day to be able to help you if you have any questions, you happen to get lost, you need a ride home. We do everything that we can to possibly take care of our participants because you guys are taking care of us by being there and showing that you care so jack tell everyone out there what it was like we had over about a hundred people come no jack don't don't act drunk what <laughs> act drunk <laughs> yeah we had like a hundred people come out and it was great uh we hit four bars yeah four bars you know, oh you know what i got i got a report about this real quick is the first two bars were right next to each other and on the other side of that second bar was a mcdonald's so it was like perfect, it was so perfect. <laughs> go get some carbs go get some calories and move on to the third place but it was great we had a hundred people come out a lot of friends of our survivors that were kind of being exposed to eye to eye for the first time and what was really great was all the patrons at the bars that saw all, all hundred of us with our bright yellow teams uh not team stupid answer stupidcancercrawl.com uh, yeah, sorry. I yeah. had a beer the other day. Okay. Uh, they were like, you know, what's this? So it was a great way for all of us to talk about I2Y. 
we even sold a couple bracelets to some uh, people that were just in the bars and were like, this is cool, love what you guys are doing, and, uh, you know, handed out some business cards and made some connections. And it was a great time, and it wasn't all about getting drunk. You know, most people held it together. A couple people didn't, <coughs> Aaron Eloise. And, uh, <laughs> and it was fun. You know, it was, it was a safe environment, uh, just a lot of fun. And it was, a great, it was a great chance for everybody to get out and get busy living because, as we know, going through cancer and going through chemo sucks, and this is a chance to get out and be social and hang out with other survivors. You know, thinking of it, it must be much easier to sell things to drunk people, right? So yeah, well, that's the thing. For the future. Yeah, and, and from the fundraising aspect, it was fun because what we would do is we would go in the bar and we would hand somebody one of our yellow mugs and say, here, drink this. And when they were drunk, we went in their pockets and took their cash. <laughs> no, when they were lying on the street, you finished beating them in the we had, sidewalk. We had like the little people like Sumo go in and just like, Right, know. exactly. No, but it's very, big, It was very Oliver Twist. You know what? I, I'm, I'm all for controversy and all for people that say, well, how could you do this? It's alcohol. It's not about drinking. And we, we have right. one of our one of our um, – uh, Samantha, I'm sure you know this already, but we have these programs called Stupid Cancer Happy Hours. We've been having them. We've had over 240 since the first one in June of 2007. And they've been all across the country. And honestly, I like to euphemize, if that's a word, which it isn't, that it's a place, it's the only happy hour you're going to go to where everyone's actually happy. Because you want to make these survivors feel like they're just living their lives giving them something that isn't a support group in a hospital. They just want to know that, that they're living, and this is what you would do anyway, and now you're just doing it as part of a community of peers. So it's really, you have completely, first of all, you, you monetized and operationalized something that was already happening and purposed it for social good. And I don't think you even realize the impact that this is already having to us as an organization nationally. Well, one of the things that we had wanted to do was target an age group that wasn't necessarily getting involved in advocacy. And um, I, I tell people, if you don't like to run or walk, come crawl. So, because it seems like a lot of people do get involved in walks and runs, and that might not be their thing. And so, we're just reaching out to people that would generally go out on the weekend and have a good time. And instead of just Doing it because you can, you're doing it because you want to and because you care. And some, a lot of our participants, this is their only fundraising event that they give to all year long, which to me is, is great that we're getting this many people willing to, willing to give to charity that wouldn't normally do so. So I appreciate your kind words that you said, um, our our thing is just allowing people to have have fun and and a celebration and not not look down on the event um because of of what you assume we are but come out and experience the event for what it really is which is just a day of celebration i mean we have people that are just groups of friends um that get together because they want to go party on a saturday we had an 87 year old 20-year breast cancer survivor at our Austin Pub Crawl this year. She's our oldest crawler we've had so far. That is awesome. She had an absolute blast. She was treated like a queen. When I saw her back... Do you know her name? uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. I want to say her first name was Marie. Um, I I do have some pictures, I believe, that are posted. We just 
started up our new Facebook page. So um, you guys will have to go out and check us out. It's just Official Crawl for Cancer uh, on Facebook. We are going to wait and, and open it with our new website, which is coming out in January. Awesome. But we decided to, to go ahead and kickstart the Facebook page. But she was absolutely amazing. Her daughter came to me crying and was like, this is one of the best days she's had in years. And right. that is what makes doing what we do and dealing with a lot of the negativity that we sometimes get all worth it is being able to to give good days to people that that need and deserve them. Well, we're happy to be a beneficiary of your organization. It's done great things. And um sorry that we're running out of town here. Uh, oh, gosh. Where are you going? I, I you want to go to the airport and get frisked, don't you? You, know you, should just, you should just send me out of town. Uh, someone buy Lisa plane tickets, please. Lisa really wants to get her mammogram done by the TSA. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I haven't been drinking. Um, Sam, are you going to be in New York for the crawl? I will be in New York for the oh, crawl. Oh, awesome. Um, I'm generally the at most of them. I try and keep a low profile, um, but I'm always behind the scenes regardless. So I will definitely be there in New York. I'll be ready to to make a cheers with you guys and have another successful crawl and uh, you another can come great back day. A, come back on the show and come with us live in the studio. That'd be great. Awesome. I would love that. That sounds It sounds like a date. All right, All right. thank you so much, Samantha. Samantha, Samantha Green, Samantha Green from Crawford Cancer. Cancer. I have Lisa Bernhardt syndrome tonight. Thank you, Samantha. Awesome stuff. Just awesome, don't say awesome. anything that starts with R. Yeah, exactly. All right, well now it's time to bring out our next guest, and I am stoked for this. It's Reality Palooza. At 23 years old, Dean Brown faced the greatest challenge of her life. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She coped with this devastating news. Just as her professional life was coming together, in addition to recently landing her dream job as a reporter freelancing for the Associated Press, she'd also been cast to compete on MTV's Real World Road Rules Challenge. But after the show concluded, Diem experienced depression and a sense of helplessness as she coped with chemotherapy, expensive medical bills, all that fun stuff, and new challenges such as finding affordable human hair wig. All that stuff, that fun stuff to go through. Well, this is the inspiration for her to create MedGift, the patient gift registry that answers the questions that patients often hear from friends and family and coworkers, such as, how can I help and what can I do? So here to tell us all about MedGift and more, we're thrilled to have Diem Brown. Diem. Hi. Hello. Hey, Hi. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> how are you, my dear? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. You know, it's funny. I, I don't want to make fun of you, but I'm going to. Um, that I was trying to, Lisa was mispronouncing your name because she's drunk. I was not. No, she was he, mispronouncing he real world road rules. You misheard. <laughs> I was correctly saying Diem's so I, name. I, I, was, I couldn't get road rules out. But I was I was trying to articulate that to pronounce your name properly, you have to proceed it with Robitussin. Robitussin DM. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> I've heard a couple of those. There's a couple. There's a couple of funny little like one-liners I've heard in high school. <laughs> yes, I'm happy to make you feel 16 again. Thank you. Thank Lisa's you. Lisa's like Gilda Radner's Barbara Wawa. What? How did you get I the know. name DM? That's, let's let's I'm, kick off with that. Uh, it just it just means day. <laughs> so it's either it's, it's either a good day like, or it's a better day. <laughs> like Carpe Diem. Carpe yeah, Diem. Yeah, that's one of that's one of the one. Or that's what it's all DM, about. Some people think it's funny. 
I think Carpe Diem is what it's all about. So, Thank right you. as it pertains to all this of is us? Diem's yeah. uh, second appearance on the show, right? Yes. You Diem was one of our first guests in 2007. So she Been she's a, a legacy. Time. She's a legacy guest. It's amazing that things happen. Like you know, I think if you really pursue things, like you keep on going, it's like nothing will ever stop you. You know, I know it's you know. With med gifts, like it's been a five year, like I've been trying at this for five years, but I believe in it wholeheartedly, and I'm really excited to finally it's live, finally it's supported by a company that can support it in the right way, and um, I'm excited to share it with everyone. So let's let's start with your story. You are a young mm-hmm. adult ovarian cancer survivor. Yes. Talk us through that. Um. Well, basically, I was. You know, I, I just graduated college, and I was reporting for, really reporting for the Associated Press, and uh, I got a random call asking if I wanted to compete on this crazy challenge show, and so the MTV Road, Road Rules Challenge, <laughs> and um, I was training, and I all of a sudden felt this horrific pain in my abdomen, and I and I don't go to the doctor. I am the, the worst patient imaginable. I am not a compliant patient at all. Was was not. And I was forced to go to the emergency room by a friend, thank God. And um, they found a tumor the size of a two-liter Coke bottle, which happened to be cancerous, and it happened to be in the ovary. <laughs> so um, Wait, they removed it. a two-liter Coke bottle? Yeah, a two-liter-sized Coke bottle tumor, which I, I mean, I'm sure some women out there understand, maybe some guys. I thought it was like a muscle under fat because I hadn't worked out in a while. <laughs> See, I've seen you in person. You weigh like 110 pounds. How is it possible that that was concealed inside you? I, I They said it was turned upside down and it was inside. I would feel it. I would, like, play with it. I thought it was like a muscle. I didn't know. I just wasn't uh, – I didn't think anything would be – that I should be looking for. And I think that's important, too. Like, everyone knows about breasts. Like, you, you check your breasts for, like, mammograms and, like, self-examination. Well, no one ever – you know, kind of mention, well, there's something else you should be checking for. Check for a two-liter so Coke bottle no in your <laughs> ovaries. No, they don't bring that up. No, Sorry, so it definitely was a shock. Yeah. Was there a UPC barcode on your ass while you were at it? Excuse me? <laughs> was, was ignore, a, ignore the man You can the ignore microphone. me. I'm just trying to make funny. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. It was so Diet Coke. Okay, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So you got this. You got this diagnosis. You went in, and obviously surgery and chemotherapy and all yeah. that good stuff. Um, yeah, it was about seven months of uh, chemotherapy, and and for me, it was. I was an on-air TV reporter, and I immediately dropped. I dropped. I went to almost eighty-five, ninety pounds. Like I was extremely thin, and I lost my hair, and I didn't have any money to buy a wig, and I had to buy a cheap twenty-dollar. Store, like a, at a, I live in Hollywood, so it was like a you know a Hollywood Boulevard store, and I bought a cheap $20 wig. And someone on the red carpet I was interviewing, and someone who was just on the red carpet, I'm sure their security or what they were, they came up to me, and I don't know if they thought I was on drugs or what they thought. They go, you're visually offensive. And wow. And I, I already felt like this. I looked in the mirror and I saw like I looked and the person in the mirror looked like they were dying. Looked like didn't look like me. wasn't the person I recognized, and I already was insecure about it. And hearing those words set me into a massive depression where I didn't want to leave my apartment. I felt like I was scaring people. Like it mentally made me go nuts. 
And um, and it was, but luckily, you know, everything has like a silver lining, and that's how, like, my as ironically it is, my depression is what I went to the computer, and the computer was my world. Like, I didn't want to leave my apartment, so I just went, like, stayed on the internet. And that's when I saw my girlfriends who had wedding registries and baby registries, and I saw how simple it was for friends and family to celebrate a baby, to celebrate getting married, but when someone was fighting for their life, there was no thing to really celebrate it. People retreat. And instead of retreating, I wanted to give people who are going through illnesses a way to celebrate it because friends and family are always asking. They ask me all the time, what can I do? How can I help you? But I didn't feel right asking for money. I didn't feel right asking for items. But yet when we do, when we have babies and when we get married, we ask for it all the time. So I want to really change that mentality because everyone's going to be at that low point in one point in their lives. And so I think to have the comfort of something like MedGift out there so that either if you're ill or if a friend or family's ill, you're not worried going, how can I help, how can I help? You, you, there's a, a resource so the person who's ill can feel that support. And maybe it's not money. Maybe it's not, you know, a monetary gift. Maybe it's saying you can help them, you know, watch your dog. But it, it's something to show that you're – your words of offering of help aren't empty. And I think that's so important for people who are going through cancer or any illness. You hear the words, I feel so bad, I, I want to help. But a lot of times you really kind of feel like they're empty. And this kind of puts a validation inside that, that they're not empty. And people around you do care for you. And the communities that are around you, you don't even realize. Whether it be your high school or your college or your high school room that you haven't seen in 10 years, there's communities you don't even realize you're a part of that you are a part of. You know, Dan, Matthew likes to post on his Facebook page these horrific stories of folks who fake cancer, often for the benefit, so, so for some financial gain, usually. Yeah. Um, do you come up against that on your site? Do you have to monitor yes, it and I'm make sure so that glad. verify the I'm folks I'm so glad are... you said that. Um, basically, I had, the reason why I was with um, Matt, I spoke to Matthew to your, you know, in 2007 is that I did this by myself. I created the site. I try to learn HTML for dummies. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I just I had a passion and I had a dream, and I wanted to see this happen. But I felt the same thing. I felt there was one person on the website that was a faker, and I got scared. And so I pulled the site down. I'm like, no, if one if I have one bad apple, it's going to ruin the whole thing. And so I pulled the site down, and I start I started searching for a company that can help me verify the patients that are on the site. And I talked to Dr. Lenny Sender. Lenny <laughs> Sender. Yeah. He told me that, he, that his, one of his hospitals uses Patient Compass, which is part of Relay Health, and they're part of, like, McKesson. And so I went after trying to find Relay Health and see if they will help me verify and help me partner up with me and, and support this. And it's been almost a little over a year of working with them, and they've been amazing. They've you know, a pow they power relay they power MedGift and um they verify every patient because to sign up for a registry you have to have a hospital number, a medical ID number. So each ho what we're trying to do is sign up each hospital. That's our mission right now, is signing up each hospital so that we don't get any of the you know, fakers. Because I don't want any fakers. So and and going out there, we're all going out there trying to sign these hospitals up so people feel assured that everyone on the site is the person who you know because they have a medical ID number. And tell us again the range of gifts that you can give to folks. You can give, I mean, for the first and the biggest thing is for medical expenses. And those are from, you know, just they're called needs. And you can, it's, 
and it's a blank amount, and you can say from $10 to $100. You can have a fundraiser and have $1,000 in it for your particular person. Or you can do wants like wigs or wheelchairs and or Amazon.com, like gift cards for magazines. Or you can do things that are non-monetary, like can you watch my kids for me while I'm in treatment? Can you watch my dog for me while I'm in treatment? Can you, you know, help, you know, to take me to or from the hospital? I just feel like when you register as a wedding, as a bride, you have the world at your fingertips, and you can register for anything you want to, and you feel like the princess for the day. I want patients to feel that sort of freedom and that sort of control when they go to the patient gift registry. They can register for anything that they want, that they need. That's fantastic. Um, and t- t- talk about also your personal experience in being so public with your illness. Didn't you have portions of your uh, treatment on MTV or televised or you had cameras follow you? Yeah, I, I did. To be honest, when I first got cancer, I had no idea what chemo was. I didn't know if it was a pill. I didn't know if it was like a laser. I was that far removed from knowing what that world was. I didn't understand what was going on. I started. I didn't know what a you know what a bald you know what you looked like when you lost your hair. So I started you know googling chemo patients and googling what women my age would look like, and I couldn't find anyone. I found Melissa Etheridge, and I found Natalie Portman. Well, obviously, Natalie Portman shaved mm-hmm. her head. She wasn't a chemo patient. Yeah. But those are some ones that I felt like, as a patient, you want to see what you're going to happen. It's so much easier, and it's so, it reduces so much more of the fear when you know what's going to happen, when you can see what's going to happen so you can brace yourself for it. So I allowed MTV to come in and film, you know, the whole treatment, like, while like, I lost my hair and going through that and to be honest I'm from the south and I am probably the most feminine girl you could possibly imagine thick you know big hair and I love the color pink <laughs> so it's pretty obnoxious we don't hold but that against it, you it's not October anymore <laughs> sorry <laughs> but the biggest thing is that I didn't feel like a girl anymore and ovaries obviously is a way that you can have kids and for me I felt that was you know stripped away and I had lost so much weight my body looked like a boy and I lost my hair so I felt like what made me a girl and it sounds silly but my mind played so many tricks on me and you know MTV saw that and what was great is that I believe if you keep on pushing and trying to find that silver lining, try to find something that makes you excited to to stay in it. Because maybe you went through a bad route, but I guarantee you if you make it better for the next person, your route is well worth it. It's more well worth it. And finding finding the idea for Medgift came out of misery. It came out of depression. And Medgift saved my life, like the idea of it, because I was in – such a deep depression where I, I didn't want to go to treatment. I, I skipped one. Like, I, I just didn't care. I lost all, and it sounds awful, but I just lost it. And if I went to, and when you when you get to that mode, you have to find a way to get out. And the biggest thing is just trying to find something, even if it's like a sliver of, you know, say, a, you know, the pub, the pub crawl, the crawl for cancer, something in the future that you can, you know, get excited for. And if you can find that one tiny, tiny event, it can help you pull out of any depression. I really believe that. So, Dean, I, I had a question. Um, I, six degrees of Carrie Bradshaw, notwithstanding. Yeah. I remember there was an episode of Sex and the City, and yes, I admit I watched Sex and the City, um, where Carrie, um, I, I don't know what the whole theme is, but she goes to, like, 
way too many <clears throat> baby showers or weddings, and she's like, where is the registry for single people? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I think that's the episode where, like, she leaves her Manolo Blahniks her on the shoes. floor. because she registers her shoes. Right, someone steals her shoes because she has to take them off at a house with kids. Mm-hmm. So she registers for the shoes. So the mother of the kids bought her the shoes for her being single registry. But it's yeah. to the idea, like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Where is the registry for patients? Where is the Amazon wish list that makes it comfortable for friends and family to support you without you feeling awkward begging and that it's pity? Yeah. And I think Absolutely. what you've done is extraordinary. Um, I can't you. help but feel a sense of kinship that our chairman, Dr. Sender, helped you uh, oh. put this together. And yeah. I think it's just something so revolutionary, extraordinary. Now, there are similar sites out there on the website, uh, on the Internet. Uh, how would you say that you are distinct, uh, distinctive or differentiated from other there's sites that, that do this in a similar there's not fashion? One regist- there's not one registry where it's, it's medical bills, not one. I Got search it. for it. Believe me, I am not, I am <laughs> not a whiz kid in computer, and I have, like, my job is a reporter. I did not want to do this, but I felt empowered to do it. I did not want to create this. I was begging for other people to do it because I didn't want to do it. It was nothing was out there, and I begged for someone to make something happen, but no one did it. So I made, I was like, fine, I'll do it. And there is no other registry aspect. There's helping hands, and it's great for, like, you know, helping, you know, for organizing people to bring gro- you know, groceries or transportation. That's amazing. It's a great, great organization, great, great work. And there's other organizations that do, you know, other things. There's nothing for patients for registering, nothing for that person's medical bill that goes directly, nothing deducted, because when you get a blender as a bride, you're getting that full blender. You're not getting a blender with a half a blade taken off. That's 100% of the money that you give to your friend goes to that patient's bill. And then same thing with, you know, the, the gift cards. The 100% of that gift card goes to that patient. There's nothing taken out whatsoever. And there is no, there's, I, there is a registry out there. I've never heard of it, and I've looked for one. I've researched a million times trying to find one because I didn't want to do it. I just believe so hard-heartedly that patients deserve this, we need it, and right now I'm on a mission to sign up every hospital so that we can verify each patient so that people feel secure when they go on there and that their hospital is a part of this and that we can help each person in each state. Well, count count us in with that. We have over a thousand hospitals in our database, and obviously, Dr. Sender is on you know all the registries. We work with every National Cancer Institute uh, comprehensive center in the country. Uh, I mean, count us in, count us in, absolutely oh, for this. Thank you, yay! <laughs> uh, right here on the air, you heard it here live, folks. We're going to partner with Matt Gibbs and make this blood, work. Right? <laughs> no, I'm totally serious. I think there's such a, a valid component to this as a need. Um, I think this belongs on our homepage in some form or another. Because, of course, this, this is so differentiated. My business philosophy is don't reinvent the wheel, and you clearly did, and I remember our conversations from years ago. In fact, as a non-sequitur, DM was my date to the very <laughs> first Stand Up to Cancer event in 2008. Yes. Yes, with Dr. My Sender. Con- my condolences to you. <laughs> but, but to see the, this vision come to fruition, you know, Two or three years later, you've clearly done your homework. I commend you for all of the, I guess they would call it a competitive analysis in your business strategy. And this is absolutely meeting a need that doesn't exist. 
Thank you so very much. It's my absolute passion, and whatever I have to do to get it out there to people, I will do. I don't care. And if anyone wants to help, please help <laughs> and let me know who your hospital is. If you know any hospital people that are listening, we would love to sign you up. And Diem, as a reporter myself, are you still reporting? Can we see you? Yes, I'm the- on. Um, I report for Fox News Entertainment, Entertainment, <laughs> and for Sky, and for Sky Showbiz News, also Entertainment. All the all the light stuff. So I'm trying to maybe wrangle in some celebrities so they can help support all the cancer causes because I always support Sam the Cancer, and any single time there's a, a charity, I always try to make sure we cover it. Set you up that one a little bit. I'm a former Fox Newser myself. Entertainment. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> Good for folks out there to know. To what's, watch. What's their what's slogan? Uh, fair and balanced. We report, you decide. I thought that was MSNBC. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Fox. no, no, no. That's just entertainment. We have no slogan. We're just entertainment. I know entertainment. <laughs> have a slogan. I know entertainment always is the first to say no, 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 no. We don't do it. The rest of the network does. We're entertainment. We're not political. <clears throat> right, we stay right. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, entertainment is what the hell Tom Cruise doing on the top of the Burj Dubai? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Get Surrey out of those heels. <laughs> yes. Awesome, awesome. Well, I can't tell you how excited it's been to have you on the show. Uh, we Thank will have you. you back. Trust me, uh, we'll talk offline. Um, I do get to L.A. a lot. Uh, you know that. And I know you, you come to New York on occasion. But uh, consider this uh, a match made in heaven. I'm very excited for it. And uh, congratulations on really taking the crap that you were given and making unbelievable amazingness out of it. Thank you so very much, and I really, really, really appreciate the support so very much. Thank you. All right, to infinity and beyond. DM Brown, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, DM. Okay, bye bye. Now we got so excited at the top of the show that uh, that uh, we forgot to do the news. So we're going to cut away real quick and get the news out of the way here. So uh, let's kick that off. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Alrighty, during this part of the show, we listen to Jack Buffard stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of free stuff that you might not know about. And we don't want you missing out on free events like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, pub crawls, support groups, concerts, rock climbing events, kayaking trips, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send an email to Jack Buffard. His email is jack at i2y.com. Take it away, bro. Thanks, Matt. I'm glad you remembered that I was here. All right, folks, your first stop is going to be teamstupidcancer.com tonight. We are highly soliciting donations for our runners, and if you want to support the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation by making a pledge in support of any of our runners on Team Stupid Cancer, head on over to TeamStupidCancer.com. This is your easiest way to give money to the cancer to the I2Y Foundation and support all the great programming that we do, especially this radio show. All right, folks, your next stop, events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. The buzz is building around the fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults being held April 16th and 17th here in New York City. Registration will commence February 1st at noon, so mark your calendars. 
because OMG is happening April 16th and 17th here in New York City. Head on over to omgsummit.org for more information. All right, folks. Being that I lack both the time, the looks, and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've I've created the Boof News blog. Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com. For the official list of all stupid cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. And that, my friends, is your stupid cancer news. All righty. So that, uh, that wraps our show. Am I missing anything? I think we covered it all. I think, I think we, we covered, covered it all. All right. Should we wish the TSA Godspeed for yeah. Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah. We, well, we before the TSA, <laughs> let's take care of the important people and wish everybody in the community yes. a happy Thanksgiving. It is certainly a good time of year to feel thankful. Absolutely. Especially here on the Stupid Cancer Show. 415,000 listens and growing. Wow. Pretty cool. Up from 30,000 in January. That ain't shabby. That ain't shabby nothing. And, and that's just Lenka's fan base. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the Czech Republic listening in every week. Thank you. And then there's yeah, Slovakia. Fact, we don't talk about Slovakia. In so. fact, I heard, because it's uh, 2 in the morning over at the, in the Czech Republic right now, that everybody set, the, set their alarms an hour ago to listen to the show today. That's awesome. I wish. Is Borat <laughs> listening? Oh, wait, that's not that's, that's the Czech no, that's Republic. that's Kazakhstan. Okay. <laughs> actually, it's Kazakhstan, but when you mention it, um, they actually, when they say Yaksemash, that's actually in Czech language. That is really Yaksemash? So he got it completely wrong. Yeah, she's right about that. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I guess that uh, that sort of concludes our show. An amazing, amazing event. Folks, uh, look out next Monday. Uh, in your inboxes on Monday morning, something special in your inbox Monday morning Ooh. from Matthew Zachary. We're okay. looking forward to uh, hearing your thoughts and opinions and what's going to go on in your inbox on Monday. Oh, at I, know what it is. I know what it is. 9 a.m. Pacific. 9 a.m. Pacific. So okay. set your alarms, West Coast. Yeah. All right. And with that, it is now time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's tonight's show, our 161st broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. I'd like to thank our guests. Lenka Dayrit. Thank you for having me. Samantha Green and DM Brown. And Lisa, before you read next week's guest, the Survivor Spotlight has changed. I'll just announce it real quick. Mel Majoros, young adult survivor of breast cancer, the host and producer of The Cancer Warrior on Empower Radio. Oh, fabulous. I love her. We love her. Mimi Ferraro, singer-songwriter, recording artist, and young adult breast cancer survivor. And Christine Bays, singer-songwriter, recording artist, and founder of The Yellow Umbrella, a cervical cancer survivor. If you've missed any of your past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all for free at iTunes.i2y.com or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the chemo deck. Jack Buffard, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stooping and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Karima. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! Woo! It's an-